Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Thank you so much, and thank you to my standing O group over here, our our precious students here. Listen, God's doing a great work in our students. Uh, They've just come back from camp, and they are on fire. They they experienced the presence of God in a great way, baptized in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, and they're ready to change the planet. And uh, that's not just a camp high. That is absolutely 2019 will be forever marked in their lives. Let's give them a hand and give God a hand for what he's doing in our students. Yeah. And 2019, really, this is what this service is all about here today, is uh, 2019, I have just a, I've got a great privilege here today because um, I'm not in a series, so, and I like being in a series because I'm, but uh, I'm not in a series and Father's Day message is over, so today I, I was able just to pick, pick a message, just pray and get the message that I felt like was for, de- for today. And uh, I want to just encourage all of you over these next few minutes, I want you to begin to think of the summer of 2019. Don't just let what happens happen. I want you to happen to it. And uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit has brought uh, you here today specifically because there's something he wants to speak to you and there's something that he wants you to work on in these next couple of months as we get into the summer. When we get going to the summer, Stacy and I, we're gonna take some time off and we'll play and, and go get at a beach or some you know, nice place. We're gonna have some fun for a couple of two, two weeks or so. And then I'm going to go into a time of thinking and planning and directing what the next six or seven or eight months of church life is going to be like. Here's what I want you to know. It, if I'm not deliberate to, to pray and determine what the next months are gonna be like, then I'll just be living in response to life. Here's my challenge to you. I believe that the summer of 2019 is marked for your life so that years from now you can look back and go, God did this in 2019, the summer of 2019. And I believe he's, he's called us here to focus, fo- if I say focus, Focus our energies. We took our pastors uh, through an exercise here, and we have the last couple of weeks, and we are still in that, just basically saying, look, if we could only do one thing in the fall, if there was one area that we concentrated all of our energies, and it would be that area that causes us to restore more people to God and to the life he called them to live, which is our vision, and caused people our mission to know God more, Uh, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference, what would that one area be? And of course, when you got 40 areas, all of a sudden there's tension in the room like, well, gosh, does that mean this isn't important? No, there's lots of things that are important, but we gotta focus our energy sometime to move the football. We can't be generally good at 40 things. We need to focus our energy for short periods of time to make that area better. That's kind of what I want us to do as a church. There's something the Holy Spirit wants you to focus on over these next couple of months, and I want you to think like that. All right, where'd this come from? You can open your Bible to to, uh, Psalm 90, and this is the only psalm contributed by Moses to the Psalms, oldest psalm, actually, Psalm 90. But so Stacey and I, we were, uh, this week, we were driving out of a Home Depot. We come up to a light, and and, uh, somebody here from the church, some precious friends, had sent an Instagram video of some relatives of theirs uh, giving a, a, a little spiel, so I didn't know what it was, she didn't know what it was, so she's playing it, I'm driving and I'm listening to it, and it's this precious couple in their, their early 40s, and they're saying, hey, it's a husband and wife going back and forth, 
And, uh, and they said, hey, we just finished our 22nd wedding anniversary and we went to this particular place and it was fantastic and we had a wonderful time. And while I'm driving, I'm thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not, not just hallelujah. Uh, uh, but, you know, when you Instagram everything you eat and do, I, I, I become cynical. But so I'm just kind of listening with that kind of ear, like, yeah, well, wonderful for you. And uh, they said, hey, we did something crazy. Uh, uh, I wrote out love in my handwriting, and, and she wrote out love in her handwriting. I'm thinking, oh, brother. And uh, we, we had a tattoo artist tattoo our writing on the other's finger, and, uh, and they, so they hold them up. And, you know, it's, it, but it's fun. It's, they're they're kind of upbeat and ah, ha, ha, and it wasn't this. And then, and then it turned serious, and the wife said, Obviously, she's communicating with friends. These are Instagram friends. And uh, she said, uh, well, I, I need to let everybody know that we've received some news back from the doctor, and she had been fighting the disease. It was obvious. And she said, uh, the reports aren't good. She said, now, we've cried, and we've, we've had our times. We're, 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 we're okay for right now, and we believe God is good. But even though we know he's good, sometimes it doesn't feel like he's good. And she said, uh, we got a, a, a report back from the doctor, and, and I'm, I'm not responding to these treatments. And uh, the, the spots are, are larger uh, on my liver, and, um, and the doctor's given me three, three options. And uh, they're, they're both being very sober but full of faith, and, but, but how you would be, you know? Yes, I'm believing God. Yes, I know he's good, and I'm also frightened and sobered by this news. And uh, she said, uh, you know, it given us three options. One is a particular treatment, and the second one is a trial. And the third option that they've given us is to do nothing, call in hospice. And, uh, and then, then the husband chimed in and said, if we did that, uh, her, her life would be measured in months. And uh, all of a sudden, this kind of upbeat Instagram video has got us kind of taken in. And uh, she said, uh, we're going to do option number one. But she said, the doctor said, uh, if there's a special trip that you guys have always wanted to take, now's the time. Uh, if there's people that you really want to see, now's the time. You'd call them in. Well, uh, under that, under that, I mean, we, we started from Jovial coming from Home Depot to, you know, by the time we started getting close to our house, Stacy and I were kind of taken into this conversation. As they concluded, and I salute them, these were champions, just standing in faith and hurting at the same time and trying to do what you did, trying to stand. Uh, but we were taken into that, and we kind of started our own conversation, like, well, what, what would we do? And uh, it was a, uh, you know, and we kind of said, you know, I, I don't know that we'd go anyplace new. I think we would go back to some places that we've enjoyed, and we started listing all that. But a scripture came to mind in the kind of atmosphere of that, and it was this one here. Moses, when he contributed uh, Psalm 90, he starts it off by saying, God, you've always been our home. I'll get to the part that I'm gonna read here. But God, you've always been our home. Uh, and boy, I could just stop and preach there. I mean, wherever God is, that's home. How many of you understand, y'all, we're all visitors here. When, if you're born again, you're visiting here, that's, that's home plate. So we're headed there. And, uh, and he, he says things like this, you're eternal and we're temporal, and so to you, a thousand years is like a day, and a day's like a thousand years. I mean, clock's, the clock's ticking. And uh, he, he says multiple things like that, and then uh, verse 90, I mean, uh, Psalm 90, verse 10, he starts here, and he says, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they're 80 years, Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away, or we go to heaven. 
Who knows the power of your anger, for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So, and here's what I wanna focus on today. Teach us to number our days. Why do we do this? So that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Goes on from there, but I just want you to kind of inhale that for a second. Teach us to number our days. He's talking about eternity and temporalness, and, and he says this. If we number our days, it'll bring to the surface a heart of wisdom, all right? So if, if I say to you now, a, a, a great pastor here in the area, Pastor Kerry Shook, precious guy, he and his precious wife, they're doing a great work at the Woodlands Church, and, and 10 years ago, he wrote a book called 30 Days to Live, and the premise of it, I don't know that it was the scripture, but the premise was to set yourself under the pressure of you're on a clock, you've got 30 days. Moses, is essence, in essence, is saying that. Put yourself in that situation because what it'll cause is the priority of life, the wisdom of God will rise to the surface and a bunch of trivial uh, wasting of our life will get exposed pretty quick. Wouldn't you agree? Right? You got 30 days. Teach us, Lord, to live numbering our days, knowing the clock is on us. This isn't a morbid message, and it's not a sad message and all that. I could, I could go there, but uh, that's not what we're trying to do. I'm wanting you to approach this summer with a sense of, wait a minute, I'm on a clock. If I just wait for life just to dish it out to me, then I'm just going to get what comes. But if I can get with God and determine a direction and actually happen to life, direct what I need to work on these next several weeks or months, I can gain some ground and I can fulfill some of the things that God's called me to do. That's what I'm expecting to happen during this message. Y'all tracking so far? Teach us to number our days. And so what that does is bring up what are the priorities? What, are, what, what is important to us? So my, my points today are in question form and the first one is, what is the highest priority? You got 30 days, what's the highest priority? All right, let's go to the Bible. Let's dial the, the microscope in a little tighter to the Bible. And uh, an, an attorney asked Jesus one time, what is, the, the Greek word is this, what is protos? Protos is the word that means what is the highest priority in all of life? Protos, what is protos? Highest priority, I'll read it to you. This is Mark 12, 28. What is Protos 28? says, then one of the scribes came and having heard the reasoning together, perceiving that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Or what is Protos in the Greek? The highest priority, Jesus answers, the first of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And in fact, Matthew, he says this. Everything about the law and every prophecy ever prophesied, everything about this relationship with God, everything about why God was created, it's in what I just said. It's in these three priorities. Love God, your relationship with God, your relationship with one another, and your relationship with you. All of the Bible, all that God is about, all the prophecies are to impact, all the word of God is to impact if you prioritize these three relationships. How's your relationship with God? How is your relationship with others? And how's your relationship with you? So let's take this back. You got 30 days. How are you thinking? Here's what you're thinking. The first thing that ought to come through all of our minds is, man, how am I with God? God, are, you, are we good? 
Uh, very important. If you're about to enter eternity, uh, you want that, that ought to be on your mind. The, the second thing would be, how, how am I spending my time with the people that I love? Am I nitpicking? Am I wasting a bunch of time on stuff that just doesn't matter? What do I need to cultivate now that I got 30 days? How am I with everybody else? And thirdly, how am I with me? What have I done with my life? How am I living? Did I get the job done? Am I finishing well? Highest priorities, Jesus answers the question. How do you number your days? Put yourself under that pressure. Brings up the priorities and the wisdom of God. What's the wisdom of God? Focus on these three relationships, God, others, and you. And so the word used there was the word love. We continue to bring the microscope in. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. So then what is love according to the scripture? You with me? 1 Corinthians 13, Paul speaking, he says this is what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. Everybody say irritable. irritable. I didn't do that for any reason. I just like, like to hear you say that. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's what we're to be doing with one another. That's what love is. But here's where I'm, I'm gonna take a few minutes. As we read on down, Paul goes into something that seems like it doesn't fit, but that's what I wanna help us with. To verse 11 in that same chapter, Paul says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. For the rest of this message, when you hear me say, when I grew up, I want you to say, I put away childish things. You ready? When I grew up, I put away childish things. I believe what we want to have happen in these next couple of months is all, everybody in the room, everybody. We've got some places in our own heart and our spirit. When I say childish, don't take it as an adult uh, condescending like you childish thing. Don't go home, fellas, and tell your wife, you're being childish, the pastor said it. Don't do that. I'm just speaking from this context that there's areas that we're trying to grow up in, and Paul puts it in this context and he puts it in the context of love. And so he says this, there were some things that are childish. He says, when I grew up, all right, we're gonna get some cue cards for you, right? You missed your cue, blew the whole scene. Let's just act like that never happened. When I grew up, so that's what I want us doing in these next, these next few weeks. The Holy Spirit has brought you here to help you identify some areas. And I want you to know, so Pastor Randy, Pastor Randy's very much included in this. Some areas that I just wanna, Put away childish things. Actually, in the, new, uh, in the King James, he says, when I became a man. When I became a man, I put away childish things. What is Paul talking about? Why does he put that in this context? I'll say it this way. Childishness is a child is impatient. A child is unkind. A child is jealous and proud and rude. A child does keep record of wrong. Have you noticed? You took away my toy. A child is irritable, especially, it says here that love doesn't demand its own way. How many of you figured out children demand their own way? Paul is talking about something here 
that's happening in all of our lives, and he's, he's talking about how we grow up, and a lot of it has to do with, with how we're doing when it comes to love. Now, when I say the word love, some of you are thinking of feeling. Yep, I'm praying, and I'm just asking the Lord to let his love flow through me, and it's all about you know, kind of what's going to come to me. And here's what I want you to, to, to know about the difference between a child and an adult. A child is waiting for everybody else to bring things to them. They're completely dependent on everybody else and how they're acting for them to get what they need, and that's why they're demanding. But when we grow up, we begin to take responsibility. Everybody say take responsibility. Take responsibility. You begin to take responsibility for what you need. And in essence, when we look at this scripture, Paul is saying, when I'm childish, I want my own way and I'm impatient. But when I grew up, I took responsibility to become patient. I took responsibility to become kind. Pastor, I've been praying and waiting to feel that, like the Holy Ghost come all over me and I shake and I do so, and then I start to feel and act that way and I just don't feel it very often. You're never gonna feel it very often. We're in a broken world. You're a mess. I'm a mess. <laughs> really, that's all there is here. And while we're waiting to feel something, life is clicking past us. When you're an adult, you don't wait for the right feeling, right? You get up and do it. Sometimes I don't want to wash the car. Sometimes I don't want to take out the trash. Sometimes there's a whole bunch of things I don't feel like doing. I clean the kitchen up. You know when I, when I clean the kitchen up? When I see that it's a mess, I clean the kitchen up. I take responsibility. And what I would say to all of, all of you young people, when it talks about being childish or being mature, it has nothing to do with your age. It has to do with when and in what area are you taking responsibility. Paul was saying this. Paul talks about, and I'll tell you this about, about children. Children try to put everything into one of two boxes. It was right or it was wrong. That's right. And they, we fuss with each other. And, we, and we're, the reason we try to put everything in right and wrong boxes is because God has put into every single person in here a desperate, a desperate hunger, and it's for this. Affirm me and approve of me. All of us here have that need. Affirm me and approve of me. When we're children, our parents tell us, do that, don't do that, don't do that, do this. And because we want our parents to approve and affirm, we as children start thinking everything must fit in a right and wrong, wrong and right. Some of us in the room, and let me just go ahead and take a pause and say that I'm about to make a turn that doesn't seem like it fits with the message. And that's what I explained to the Lord yesterday and the day before that. I had a wonderful way to land this plane and get y'all all to cry, and we were gonna talk about Jim Croce and the time in a bottle, and I had a wonderfully <laughs> clever, clever ending that would have just, you'd, you'd have thought, pastor's something. Okay, so you're not gonna leave thinking that. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrestled with where I'm about to go right now. And, and here's, uh, the, the Holy Spirit was very direct. I totally relate to what I'm about to go through, by the way. But he was very direct to say, this is the prophetic punchline of the day. I'm bringing some people here specifically for what you're about to say. So I want you to go here because I'm going to empower some people who feel trapped in a brokenness to let them know You've been waiting for healing to come to you, and I'm wanting to tell you, you can go get it. You, you, everything you need, everything you need to get healing, you can start 
You're gonna look back on the summer of 2019, a light came on and I went after it. I realized I don't have to wait for it to come to me. When we're childish, childlike in areas, we are dependent on everybody around us. Feed me, help me. That's the reason why we're irritable and we're impatient and we're angry and we're fussy and all that. And he hit me. No, you hit me. All of that, all of that kind of stuff. When we grow up as adults, if we don't put away childish things, we get into these relationships with God, with others, and with ourselves, and we're 40, and we're 50, and we're 60, but we haven't put away childish things. We're still angry at everybody around us because we're waiting for them to change, waiting on the world to change, waiting on them to change. Since I can't do Croce, I'll do John Mayer. <laughs> Nonetheless, we're waiting for that to happen, thinking this is righteous, this is right. Everybody's messing with me. You try to put everything in a right and wrong box. As we grow up, we start to understand everything doesn't fit in a right and a wrong box. Everything in life, adjudicating it, in other words, figuring out who's to blame for it, that doesn't fix anything. When Paul was saying, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I said childish things, I thought like a child, and I processed how life was happening around me, I processed it like a child, I believe he was speaking of his days as a Pharisee. With me? When he was a Pharisee, how many of you know that the Pharisees, here's what they thought. They thought like children. Everything in life fits in a right and wrong. It's either right and it's wrong, and we are always right. And we're right because we want God to approve of us. And so we fight everybody else and say they're wrong and we're right because we believe God approves of us because we're right. Are y'all following me? Now that's simple logic, but there's folks in this room that are trapped right now in a thinking cycles. Everything in your life, you're trying to stick in a right and a wrong and you think if I can be more right, I should be approved of, I should be accepted. Remember what the Pharisees, the Pharisees' lead line in every conversation started with this. Is it lawful for fill in the blank? You know what they were always living for? We're right. We gotta be right. And because we're right, God approves of us. That's childish thinking. I believe Paul was calling out and saying, you know what? I didn't realize that God approved of me not because of how I act, but because of how Jesus acted. I didn't understand grace, I didn't understand Messiah, didn't understand any of this. I thought that I had to just be more and more right, and my job was to be critical of everybody that was wrong. Now that I'm a grown-up, say I've put away childish things. Now that I've grown up, I mean, I was 30 and thinking that way and judging everybody and being critical of everybody, but now that I've grown up, I realize I need to put away childish things. Jack them with me. So here's where I'm going. What, how do we put away childish things? How do we put away childish things? Okay. Uh, how, how many of you are married in the room? Got, got a bunch of married folks? Yeah. Some of you are not, but you'll be able to relate to this. I'll help you understand and relate to this as well. Someday you'll likely be married. Marriage is fantastic. My wife and I, we have a great marriage. Love each other. We hit tennis balls together. Uh, not as good as we once were, but we still do. We run on the track together. 
Uh, we like the same restaurants. Uh, she likes her meat burned to a crisp. I don't like mine quite that way, but nonetheless, we figured out how to put it on different parts of the grill. We're doing life pretty good together. We like to travel. We like to do a lot of things. We, we are very compatible. She is God's, you know, I, I wrote out a list when I was about 18, a long list, and gave it to God and said, this is the woman. I can't tell you what was on that list because some of it was inappropriate, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> I was thinking like an 18-year-old, and hallelujah, the Lord came through for me, right? <laughs> so we're good, and I want you to hear this, though. Every single marriage in here, whether it's your first marriage, your second, your eighth, or your ninth, okay, not here to bust anybody in the chops because of divorce, anything like that, here's what's difficult to understand. Not only did the good things about us, her great looks and my charm, that was great, and our... Ten that's not the only thing that got married. Her brokenness, because her parents are broken, because their parents are broken, and my brokenness also got married. And everybody in here, in all of your relationships, you're wondering why you're fussing and fighting with somebody or fussing and fighting with your, your wife or your husband. Let's just give you a bottom line clue here. Uh, not only were the good things married, but all of your brokenness got married. And honestly, the areas that you're broken in, most of us, takes us years before we even know. Here's the deal. When you're a child and you get broken emotionally somewhere, you adjust to people. As a child, you blame everybody else. That old boyfriend, he did this and that hurt my feelings. You, you blame everybody and you find explanations for why you're broken because you don't know you're broken. It's your normal. And you can't put away childish things until, number one, under the third point, until you recognize you're broken, all right? So, Stacy and I, we were at year 17 of our marriage. Uh, a lot of good things were happening, but we had hit some sour spots, and to be frank, her brokenness was screaming pretty loud because my brokenness kept bumping into that, and vice versa. Here's what I want you to hear. You've got to... You gotta recognize it. I'm 42 years old. I'm a pastor. I'm fairly intelligent, and I think I'm reading the world. You know what I'm saying? Paul said it this way. When I was a child, I reasoned as a child. So I thought I was reasoning as an adult. So here we go. We're in a fuss, and we've had about three or four years, probably at year 17, we were, you know, we were culminating about probably two or three or maybe even four years of little dust-ups where our brokenness was starting to collide, okay? Losing patience for one another. The whole time in my mind, you're gonna laugh, but I'm just, I was crystal, crystal clear. If she would stop doing A, B, and C, we'd be good. Just stop it. Don't do that. If you wouldn't talk this way, I even said these sentences to her. Just watch me. Just do what I do. <laughs> I know, it's so stupid. But when I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, and I processed life. I understood like a child. Th that's honestly what I thought. So we're, we're reaching volcano. In fact, we were in the middle of a volcano. We're, we're talking quits. You're just gonna make you uncomfortable. I'm pastoring, but we are, we are melting down. And the only conclusion I can come to is you need to straighten up. We had gone to a marriage conference. We were there at Jimmy Evans' marriage. We fought like cats and dogs. 
We got a four-hour trip to drive from Dallas back to Houston. It seemed like 104 hours because we were at it. You don't understand. I understand. You don't, you don't understand. You don't, nobody understands. Back and forth. And so it, it, it ended up, she was huddled up against the door, crying, angry, frustrated, all those things. I'm driving, and here's the conversation I'm having with God, and I couldn't be more confident. I'm, I'm saying, under my breath, God, come on now. This is crystal clear. You gotta do something with her or this, thing, this whole thing is gonna blow up. You gotta tell her the truth. Now look, we both know. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was clear. This is the problem. She's the problem. And while we're doing and driving, I hear a voice say this, leave her alone. Get behind me, devil. I'm trying to heal my marriage. No. As clearly as I've ever heard the Holy Spirit speak, he said, leave her alone. It's like, well, if you're not going to fix her and you're going to call me out, she's hopeless. No, Randy, you don't understand. You think that because she doesn't see life the way you see it, she doesn't think about it the way you think about it. You think somehow there's something wrong because y'all don't agree on how you look at things. She's never gonna see things the way you see them. It's like, well, that's good news after 17 years. And here's the good news. She doesn't have to for y'all to be in unity. Here's the other thing he said. She's made in my image, not yours. Well, that wasn't good news to me, Reggie. She's, you know, Bible says we're to become one when we get married. The fight is over which one. And it was clear to me. And I can't tell you how ignorant I was. I was confident in my view until the Holy Spirit showed me, Randy. She's broken and she's being healed in my time. I'm at work in her. And here's, what, here's how Randy Harvey began to put away childish things. The lights began to come on. It took, took, it's taken years. I'm not done yet. But here's what began to come alive to me. My pain in our marriage isn't her. And me waiting for her to change is not the way. The only thing I can do to make our marriage better is for me to take responsibility for my own healing and get stronger. I begin to write in my journal. I would get frustrated with her and she with me or whatever, but I begin to, to, to if you, be adult about the pain. I began to be adult about it, and here's what I would write. Why when she does this, this, and this, why does that agitate me so much? How can I respond differently? Because what came, came alive was, this is a broken little girl, and I'm a broken little boy, and two of us are trying to make the other be the healer, and neither one of us are doing a good job. I've got to heal me. Here's what an adult does. When you grow into the adult world, when I was a child, and I cut my finger, I would say, Mommy! Larry left his hand, I cut my finger and help me. And I would call for somebody else to do my healing and I would blame somebody for why I was cut. That's what children do. Say it again. That's what children do. Okay. But now that I'm a man, my pain, my pain, when I cut my finger now, I go, Stacy, 
No, I don't. Uh, when I cut my finger now, I take responsibility for it. I go to the sink, wash it out, take the, I don't put alcohol on it, but if she's there, I do. I put the Band-Aid on it. I'm a man. Here's the deal. I'm responsible to put the Band-Aid on. I get bit by a snake. I drive myself to the, you know, if I fall off a house, well, I kind of lay there for a while in pain, but uh, that's another story. My point is that Paul is telling us, how do you put away childish things? This, this is a big hello for a lot of us in the room, and this is tough, and I'm speaking as a fellow figuring this out. You've got to realize that you're normal that you're blaming other people for, you're never gonna get healed until you put away childishness, which is blame casting, and anticipating them to change for you to get better. Listen, when you were a child, yeah, somebody had to come fix that for you, but you're fully empowered with your brokenness, just right here. You don't have to wait on anybody. You, you don't have to heal it the same way. Stacy's in a healing that I'm not in. I'm in a healing that she's not in. Now, we can help each other create an environment where healing happens better, and that's a topic and a subject, and we got lots of classes that you need to go to, and we're gonna always be working on that. But ultimately, the best thing I can do for our marriage is get healthier, and I have to make a Adults decide I'm gonna take care of myself. You, you're tracking with me? So how... First step is this, you gotta become aware that you're broken, all right? You gotta become aware. Number two, you gotta decide you want to grow and be healed, all right? So Jesus comes to Bula Bethesda, guy's been laying there for 38 years, the waters would be troubled and one guy a year would get healed and because he was lame, some blind pole vaulter would get to the pool before he could, and he never could get healed. So he's laying there 38 years. He knows how to be a beggar. He knows how to be pitied. He knows he's, he's figured out how to fit victimhood into his life. And when you're 38 years at it, you're pretty decent at it. Jesus asked what seems like the dumbest question. You remember the question? Yeah. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to change? You know, sometimes we're so locked into our criticisms, they work for us, and we've got a little gaggle of friends that we've got around us, and we all criticize the same, because we're all broken the same. Check your friendships out. And I say, get rid of them, I'm just saying, what do y'all talk about? When you're a child, you speak like a child. You think like a child. You reason like a child. But when you grow up, y'all are so slow. You put away childish. it's summer. Because you've got to ask yourself a question. Do I actually find identity in the conflict? I mean, I got my whole gaggle of friends that we're used to who we criticize and why we criticize them, and we have that in common, and we rally our relationships around negatives. I kind of like being children. When I was a child, I spoke and acted like a child, but when I became a man, I hey, we did that, but I was going someplace else. When I became a man, I kind of liked the childish ways better, so I just kept doing them. Do you want to get healed? Taking responsibility. He was asking the guy, guy, you had not worked in 38 years. Do you realize when you get up and walk, you got to get a job? Your excuse for begging is over. you got to change. You're ready to be an adult and take responsibility. It's an honest question. Again, I'm not, 
I'm telling you, these are things I have to ask myself. You want to get better. The last thing is you, you take responsibility. So let's look at this real quick. This is for somebody in this room and somebody's, and I can relate to this very much so. Okay. When we're kids, we have a desperate hunger that God put in us for approval and affirmation. Okay? Get a little psychology thing going on here. We need it from mom and dad. But guess who else is broken? Mom and dad. Many of us grow up trying to do the right thing and we're begging on the inside for their approval and their affirmation. And we go to four years old and we, maybe we don't even think in that way. We get to our, our junior high years and we're goofed up and messed up and confused and start asking everybody around us to like us while our voice is going like this and all that. We get up through our, our teenage years. But when we reach adulthood, if, if that need wasn't met and it wasn't for a bunch of us, and this isn't a call your dad and beat him up moment, by the way. My dad was broken. Somehow I grew up with some great parents, but never had that approval thing spoken. Never felt it. I have no issue. I'm not mad at my parents. And I'm just, just telling you. And it took me a long time to realize conflicts and pain and the sense of rejections that I feel, because here's what's happened. You, when you get it, become an adult, you ask everybody, would you approve of me? Would you approve of me? Would you approve of me? If I work harder, will you approve of me? If I make more money, will you approve of me? If I look prettier, will you approve of me? If I get everything heightened, lightened, whitened, tightened, or brightened, will you approve of me? How about if I do this? And we, we get on this treadmill, and like that little Dr. Seuss, we're asking everybody, are you my mother? Are you my mother? Now, naturally, any work we do, there's a natural sense of approval. We all want to do something, have somebody notice it, and go, hey, good job. That's, that's normal. But some of us are crippled because we're begging everybody under the sun to approve of us. And when they don't, or we perceive they don't, we feel rejected, and it's painful. And here's the other thing. When people come to compliment, and this is something, Stacey and I, we were talking about this with some people last night. When people come to compliment, when this is one of your struggles, you don't take them seriously. God could send Jesus Christ to knock on your door and he'd say, hey, you are my son and you're called and I love you. And you're going, you're just saying that because you're a nice guy. You're the savior of the world. Something inside you rejects it and here's what happens. You go to war with everybody thinking if those people would just accept me, I'd be healed. And here's, here's, here's the blanket off the thing. It's not the fact that they're not approving of you. It's because you're not approving of you. You don't approve of you. Now, there's some precious folks in here. Now, I'm speaking as one who has fought this battle, who has gained some ground and grown up some, but the propensity toward that, listen, when God calls you, he calls you way above your head. It's hard for you to see yourself the way he sees you, and all of these tensions get lit up. You tracking with me? Here's what needs to get healed. There's some folks in here, you're at war with your husband, your spouse, and everybody around you, and you're wondering, why am I in so much conflict? It honestly isn't because they're agitating it, but they didn't break it. Give you this picture. We all enter adulthood with something broken, right? 
If I go out there and I get hit by a car and I break my leg in four places, and you come into the hospital and it's up in a gurney and it's sticking up like that and it's all casted, whatever. If you come in to lovingly encourage me but you accidentally bump my leg, all the pain is going to reawaken just like the guy who hit me in the car, right? If I'm not thinking, I'm gonna blame you because the pain's the same. You did that, why'd you do that to my leg? Well, I didn't do it, somebody else broke it. You're just reawakening the same pain and if I'm not thinking, I'll blame you for causing it. Does this make some sense? We enter our lives as adults broken. And until you realize you're blaming people for bumping it as though they caused it because the pain is the same. The Holy Spirit of God is in this room to say, I want to have a conversation with you. You don't have to keep trying to avoid people bumping into that. What we need to do is let's figure out how to heal it. And you can make a decision, I wanna be healed. Now I'm speaking to somebody very specifically, and I'm speaking to some marriages very specifically. So much of your conflict is because of what you brought into the marriage, not what you created once you got in there. You're just now discovering it. The Holy Spirit has brought you here today in 2019, the summer of 2019. Pastor, are we just gonna be, no. Nope. You're gonna to start to learn how to walk as an adult spiritually in this area and put away childish things. You're gonna learn what it is to, to take responsibility to be patient. Take responsibility to not keep a list of wrongs. Take a, it's a choice, you track it with me, okay? So this is gonna take a little doing if you're used to waiting for your feelings to endorse everything, and I, I'm a feeler. Look, I'm, I'm not talking like, I'm, I, I am the guy on the gurney, so I'm talking with some experience here. The Holy Spirit can help you. I've got to, in fact, I would just say this. If you're in the boat I'm describing, I've got some books, guys, if y'all would bring those books up. I've got some books that the next couple of, of months could be very good for you. Uh, Change, Changes That Heal, Dr. Henry Cloud. I've been in that book for the last year. Man, there's just some great stuff in that book. It's been very helpful to me. Healing is a Choice by Stephen Arterburn. Oh, helpful, helpful. Grab a tool. Anything by Jimmy Evans. Freedom from your past, Jimmy Evans. All those are good. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's gonna raise for you over these next couple of months. I believe for some of you, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. Isn't it about time we start to get healed here? Right? When I was a child, spoke, thought, understood like a child. But when I grew up, put away childish things. 2019, summer of 2019, I put away childish things. I put away childish things. Heads bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're here to help us. You're here to put a plan together so that we can go forward in our marriages, our relationships. And Lord, I pray right now for lifelong brokenness. Men and women in this room have never known many days without a particular pain of brokenness. Complicated, deep, familiar. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and begin to raise to the surface the wisdom of God over 
that brokenness, how it's controlling, how it's infecting relationships. And I'm asking you to bring healing. Lord, as grown men and women, we take responsibility. When it got broke, it was somebody else's fault. But 20 years later, it's now my responsibility. Lord, I ask you, Lord God, to begin to empower people. I ask for healing to begin right now. Lord, I ask that you would use these books or other tools, counselors and talking. But I'm praying for lifelong bondages to be addressed first just by the truth of going, you know what? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I see that. I ask that you do that and begin that process now in the name of Jesus. And we prepare the summer of 2019. This is the summer we face this giant. Praise God. Would you stand to your feet like prayer teams to come to the front? Last thing I want to address is simply this. Highest priority, if you've got 30 days, is your relationship with God. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with God, you've not come back home, what does that mean? That means that, in essence, in your spirit, you sense and feel like an orphan. There is a, an unmet, holy homesickness inside of you, and you're trying to figure out, why do I sense and feel this way? And it is because you have not come back to God, guilt-ridden, and in this room right now, the Holy Spirit is stirring something, and you don't have to define it, and you don't have to know the, the gospel's front and back. The first thing you gotta do is just say this, God, I don't get all this, but I know you're my father, and I wanna come home. Can I come home? Help me get home. He sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me. And in his flesh, he did what you and I can't do in our flesh. He lived perfectly. And then he died for us. Our sin life was put on him. And his perfection now represents us before the throne. And the way you get home in the one and only way, he is the road. It is by accepting Jesus Christ as your savior. It's a humbling thing because you have to admit, God, I want to do great. I can't can't do it. Perfect. You're ready now for salvation. Humble yourself and say, Jesus, I receive you. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'm going to lead the whole church, and I'd like the whole church to repeat the prayer. But if you've never received Jesus Christ, you say this with great sincerity, and today you'll be saved. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned before you, and I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me. He bled for me. And he died for me to pay for my sin. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. Save me, God. Thank you for saving me. I'm all yours. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer and gave your life to Christ, would you just very boldly lift your hand and say, I've given my life to Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Praise God. Awesome. Hands everywhere. Praise God. Thank you, my friend. I see that. Put your hands down. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these precious lives. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this church, for what you're doing in our students. Thank you for the souls that were saved. Thank you for the healing that is beginning. 
And I just blessed the summer of 2019, some deep and unresolved giants. I thank you for leverage, for overcoming power, and for strength to come to your people and for healing to come to marriages and relationships. In Jesus' name. Lord, our final act of worship is in the bringing of our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts. And Lord, as we do this, I ask God, would you receive it as an act of worship? Each of our families just simply saying, God, in the area of our finances, we trust you. I thank you, Lord, as we give. There are promises that accompany our obedience. And one of them says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing you cannot contain. Lord, I've yet to see bless. I thank you that you have blessed me greatly and blessed this church greatly. But I contend for the word of God to be manifest on this earth. And I call heaven and earth to account to the word of God. Let the windows of heaven be open and let blessing come that we cannot contain spiritually in the, in the area of souls, in the area of relationships, and in the area of finances. We stand in faith and we anticipate this in the name of Jesus. Bless this summer. Bless this day. Bless these precious people. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc. 